campus, up, and distance. This is Patterns of Development. Hey everyone, I'm Kyle Gulau, and on this show, Patterns of Development, we take less than 10 minutes each week to deconstruct what's going on in real estate architecture and urban planning. I hope this show provides value by giving you case studies and examples. Through repetition, we can figure out if there's any patterns, ideas, or thoughts that we can apply in our own backyards. There's no time for small talk on this podcast, so we'll get right after it. An article this week in planning.org by David Morley titled, Is Campus Zoning? do for a shakeup. And I'll be honest, I don't know much about zoning for the eds and meds, the education and medical campuses in our country, but it sounds like there's two common approaches, according to David. Number one, cities can require or allow anchor institutions, those eds and meds, to submit master development plans, which, once approved, govern land use and development on the institution's campus. Or number two, cities may establish special base or overlay zoning for those districts that include building design and performance standards. Of course, you can do some sort of hybrid. We love our hybrids these days, some combination of the two. And this zoning is typically use space. Use space zoning, the quick quick and dirty version of use space zoning is SimCity zoning, where we put our residential, the green zoning over there, then we put our blue commercial zoning over here, and we put our yellow industrial zoning over there, and we watch our city grow. A pattern of development is to move away from that model of use-based zoning and move into form-based zoning or form-based code. The idea that we focus on what buildings look like and the space that we're creating rather than exactly the use of the buildings. And so Mr. Morley makes the argument that we should apply form-based code to college and medical campuses, which could be beneficial for a couple of reasons, he argues. Number one, it helps make the buildings match the surrounding community. And if the anchor institution ever chooses to sell off that land or those buildings, there's the opportunity for reuse and redevelopment that helps connect and continue the continuity of the urban fabric. Now, let's apply this theory to real life. Think about campuses you've been to. Now, think about which ones you've liked and which ones you didn't like. Maybe there's a specific part of campus even, maybe the iconic Ivy League campus comes to mind. In my own hometown, Kalamazoo, Michigan, there's a very big difference between our liberal arts college and our public college. One campus feels like it's nestled into the community, all the buildings look similar, and the other feels like we just keep dropping spaceships designed in the latest fashion that you can only get to by car. I'll let you choose which one is which. I've always wondered if there's a cohesive pattern language of campus design and how that might correlate to academic success or even some level of organizational success, but that is probably correlation without causation and likely an entirely different show. Let's move on. A quick hit from Wall Street Journal. We love data. And this will probably come as no surprise to anyone that according to the National Association of Realtors, the housing market is on pace for its strongest sales year in 15 years, which takes us right up to that 0506 mark. The housing market has plateaued in recent months, but the market still remains strong across the nation. Low interest rates combined with supply chain and labor issues continue to affect the market. Listen to last week's episode about Zillow and their struggles predicting such a turbulent market, uh, if you're curious. I've been tinkering over the last year with a term I call experience velocity. I'm sorry, this is a topic change. We're moving on. The housing market's hot, in case you hadn't heard. Um, we're moving on. We want to talk about experience velocity. 
all of the greats in architecture, urban planning, all the great consultants, really. Let's just take it outside of urban planning and we'll just talk about consultants. Consultancies build frameworks. So this is my effort to build a little bit of a consulting real estate framework here. It's called the experience velocity. People hang out, spend time and money in places with low experience velocities. In the show notes, I've included a link for how to calculate experience velocities. And there's recently an article from Brookings that supports this way of thinking titled, We Should Design Cities for Shorter Distances, Not Speed by Addie Tomer and Joseph Kane, arguing that solving congestion doesn't solve our bigger transportation problems. The authors analyzed travel patterns in six U.S. metro areas and found that the average trip was about 7.3 miles and lasted about 15 and a half minutes. But what became clear was that less congested communities actually forced longer distance trips onto the residents. For example, drivers in Kansas City, Missouri, were less likely to encounter traffic, saving 2.5 minutes per trip. But they also traveled an extra 1,600 miles a year. So if you're going faster, you're probably going further, incurring more costs and spending more time traveling. The authors then give an example of Logan Square, Chicago versus Roselle, Illinois, where satellite imagery clearly shows a more dense urban environment and a rural one. So you're going to have congestion in the urban environment, likely more space and less congestion in the rural one. But according to the data, you're going to end up traveling further. So what does this have to do with experience velocity? If you design for lower experience velocity, you can unlock more affordable transportation options, save commuter time, and eliminate that traffic congestion, ultimately then leading to people spending more time in your town or in your public spaces. All of this, all of this leads to our patterns of the week. Number one, don't treat your ads and meds different from other developments. The case can and should be made that form-based zoning on your city's anchor tenants can lead to stronger urban fabric and healthier, happier cities. Number two, housing sales are estimated to reach a 15-year high in 2021. If you do the math, that takes us right up to that same volume of activity that led to the 08 crash. Yikes. And number three, design for lower experience velocity. By doing this, you can unlock more affordable transportation options for your community. You can save commuters time and eliminate traffic congestion. And I'd speculate that your public spaces will likely become more active as well. A win, win, win. That's all for this week, and I'll talk to you all soon. Please email me, kyle at patternsofdevelopment.com, with any feedback, thoughts, questions, topics to cover on future episodes. That'd be awesome. And, of course, the big shout-out to Rafi. Everyone who talks to me about this podcast tells me they love the theme. Rafi, thank you. Everyone, please check out his music on Spotify. And with that, let's keep looking for the patterns and building better cities. Talk to you all soon.